Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey, Venture Podcasters, welcome back to Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills. I'm the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and I'm so thankful that you guys are are joining us today. Uh, We are in the middle of a series called How Sweet the Sound, Uh, but before we dive into that, uh, I want to say thanks again for joining us, and then if you are listening, I believe you are listening for a reason and a purpose, and my prayer is that God will show you uh, what that is today. Uh, So, we're starting uh, the second week of this series, and before we jump into that, uh, I want to uh, talk to you and acknowledge something today that, unfortunately, this is very, very true, that there are so many of you right now, at this very moment, that you're going through uh, a very significant trial, or you're carrying a burden, okay, or you're facing something that you wish you were not facing. Uh, if it's not you right now, for almost all of us, it's somebody close to us, somebody in our, maybe our life group or our small group, uh, a family member, somebody that we go to school with, somebody that we work with. Uh, we almost all know someone that's going through something very difficult right now. And what's interesting to note is you might know someone that, that they're smiling on the outside, but on the inside, they're really, really hurting. And so I want to speak directly to that today. Okay, we're in this message series called How Sweet the Sound, and we're looking at some of these classic hymns from our Christian faith. And so I want to look at the lyrics of a song called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And the first words of the song start with the very title, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear, and What a Privilege to Carry Everything to God in Prayer. And so I want to launch this message today with scripture from Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to come back and spend some more time in this verse a little later on. And Paul said this, Philippians 4, verse 6, he said, do, do not worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Let me tell you what my hope for this message is. My hope is that you will develop a true and sincere love for the presence of God through prayer. The reason I hope this is, is because I'm afraid that far too many Christians uh, don't really understand prayer. So many people will think, well, prayer really doesn't work, or prayer is a chore at best, ineffective at worst. And that's why today I want to talk very specifically about prayer, because so many people, I believe, have very a very real uh, misconception about what prayer accomplishes and what it is, okay? So let's talk about three misconceptions of prayer. First of all, I think so many people believe prayer is complicated, okay? It's very, very complicated. And I think growing up, I really believed prayer was complicated, okay? I, I honestly thought that to pray to God, you kind of had to talk in a King James language. You know, it's kind of like you had to pray, oh, God is in heaven, we beseech doubt to grant us with your presence now, you know? And it was very complicated to me. And then when I became a Christian, I received some great teaching from some very important people, but I had this kind of legalistic and thought uh, prayer was like a, a formula. And someone had said to me, hey, you have to pray in the early in the morning, which is kind of true but incomplete. You see God in the morning, and so I thought I had to pray in the morning, early in the morning. And then one, one person said, you need to pray for a full hour. And I was like, okay, that's going to be difficult. Early in the morning, for an hour, 
Okay, so got to do that. And then somebody said, you need to pray in your prayer closet. And I, so I'm going, okay, early in the morning for in an hour in my prayer closet. And then someone says, you need to bind up the devil. And I wasn't sure what that was or, or what that meant, but I would do it early in the morning for an hour in my prayer closet and bind up the devil. And then before long, uh, I, I, they said, you need to pray to the, to the Holy Spirit for some things and Jesus for some things and God the Father for some other things. And, and I was really confused. You know, maybe I wasn't doing it right. Maybe I should my, hold my hands in a prayer formation, uh, something. You know, maybe I should have bound the devil first before I prayed longer. Uh, I didn't know. It was very, very complicated to me. And then now you go to some ministry group and there's always a professional prayer, right? They're, they're so good that they, they get paid to pray, right? It's, it's like they're Jesus' little brother or something, you know? And when he prays, it's like, you know, God's going, that's a good prayer. You know, he's quoting names of God like, God, I just call on you, you are Jehovah. And we see the Lord is my banner. And, and, and they always start praying scripture and, and they know exactly where their verses are. And they're like, God, you said in Isaiah 54, 17, by the way, which is highlighted in green in the top right hand of my Bible, that no weapon formed against me will prosper in the name of Jesus. And you're like, oh, my prayers suck. You know, my prayers are horrible. That was so good. And I don't know how to do that. And so I was kind of this competitive guy, still kind of in this competitive guy, and I never wanted to be outprayed. And so I'd try to get into the game, and I'm like, I'm going to do the best I can. And so I prayed, God, you are Jehovah Nisan, you know, and God, your word is so good. It melts in your mouth and not in your hands, God. And, and you're so good, God, that you're the good to the last drop. And, and uh, God, you're like a good neighbor, God. You're always there, you know, and and just stuff like that. And, and we just, it became complicated. It was just ridiculous. And, but so many people have misconceptions about prayer. They think prayer is complicated. A lot of people say, this is the second one, that prayer is boring. Prayer is boring. It's kind of funny if you think about it, that one time Jesus said he's going off to pray. He told his disciples to sit there and pray. And whenever Jesus came back, you know what disciples were doing? They were sleeping. And I understand that. If I, if I can't sleep, I just pray and then I fall asleep. What's even better, if I really can't sleep, I ask Jen to pray, my wife to pray, and then I fall asleep because her prayers last forever, okay? No, I'm just kidding. They really don't. My, my wife's awesome, okay? But anyway, I get bored, and then I have these kind of ADD moments, you know? Uh, some of you probably know what I'm talking about. You'll be like praying, oh God, I call on you, shiny thing, you know, and you, you, you just get distracted. Or... You, you kind of do this where, God, I'm praying for my friend. God, make my friend come to Jesus. My friend needs Jesus, and I need cereal. I need cereal. Alexa, order Cheerios and toilet paper, you know, and then I'm all, all, all off on my prayer stuff. Many people think prayer is complicated, right? Many people think prayer is boring. And the third thing that so many people have the misconception of that is prayer doesn't work, right? Prayer doesn't work. If it worked, why didn't God heal my grandma? If it worked, why is my marriage still struggling? If it worked and I have a college degree, why am I at a job that's underneath me and I still don't have a job with benefits? God, where are you? Did I do something wrong? Do you not care? Are you not listening? Are you just going to do whatever you want? Prayer is just a waste of time. So many of us have misunderstandings about what prayer is and what it does. And we need to understand and embrace the truth that, that we're not praying to a distant, uninvolved, hard-to-please God, but we're actually praying to a loving, caring, and personal God that calls us friend. 
Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus, and what a privilege we have to carry everything to him in prayer. In fact, this is what Jesus said about his relationship with his disciples in, in John 15, 15. He said, I've never called you servants because the master doesn't confide in his servants, but I call you my most intimate friends. Imagine this, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the great I am, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, also calls us friend. Jesus was even accused by his haters who said he's a friend to sinners. What a friend we have in a relational God who loves us and gives us access to come before his throne of grace to find help in our time of need. I want to tell you a story uh, behind the hymn, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. It was written by a man named Joseph Scriven. Uh, Joseph lived in the 1800s in Ireland, and he fell madly in love, head over heels in love with his childhood sweetheart. I mean, you're talking every love card makes sense, and he's dedicating songs on the radio to her. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right, people? You know, uh, he's massively in love. And, and on the day before they were going to get married, they rode on horseback to meet one another. They were going to meet by the river. And tragically, her horse bucked, threw her off, and she hit her head on a rock beside the riverbed and rolled unconscious into the water. And this all happened moments before Joseph arrived, and she died, and, and he found his fiance dead in the middle of the river. You can only imagine life falls apart for this guy. He has to leave Ireland. He doesn't want to face everything he knew there. And so he moves to Canada and encounters the powerful grace of Jesus. This guy falls massively in love for, for living for Jesus, and he decides to devote his, his life to the living out the teaching of Jesus known as the Sermon on the Mount. And so he takes a vow of poverty, and he's very handy, and he, and he works for people. But the story goes he actually wouldn't work for anyone that could afford him. If they could afford to pay him, he wouldn't work for them, okay? It was only for the people that didn't have the means that he would do the work for. Last week, we talked about the author to this song, Amazing Grace. His, his nickname was The Great Blasphemer. And Joseph Scriven's nickname was The Good Samaritan, always helping people who were in need. Well, a young lady saw this very godly man and took interest in him. He took interest in her, and, and he fell in love again with a woman named Eliza. They were engaged to be married, and weeks before they were married, at the age of 23, Eliza came down with pneumonia and died just weeks before they were married. Not once, but two times, the love of his life is taken from him, and he never falls in love again. And so years went by, and when his mother was dying back in Ireland, he obviously didn't have the money to go and see her because he had taken a vow of poverty. And so he wrote a poem to her, and he sent the poem to her, and the poem actually started to become very well known, although he never took credit for it. And years later, by accident, a friend was in his house and saw the original notes of this poem. And he said to Joseph, his friend did, said, did you write the words to this? And Joseph said, well, to be honest, the Lord and I wrote this together. And the poem he wrote to his dying mom is now the hymn that, we're saying, that we've sang for a couple hundred years, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Now, I want you to feel the power of the lyrics that this man wrote. It goes, can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. 
And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take some things to God in prayer, and we're going to do exactly what the real brother Jesus said. James 5.16, James tells us to pray for each other so that you would be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What does prayer do? Well, your prayers can defeat the devil. Your prayers can calm a storm. Uh, your prayers can heal the sick. Uh, they can save a marriage. Your prayers can comfort the hurting, can restore the broken. Your, your prayers can push back darkness. Your proudest prayers invoke the power of God. Scripture says to pray for each other that there may be healing because the prayer of righteous person is powerful and effective. We're not praying to a distant, uninvolved, uncaring God. We're praying to a close, intimate, all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful God who cares for his children and calls us friends. And that's why we're going to pray for one another and believe that God is going to do a work. What a privilege we have to carry everything to God in prayer. And you may say, okay, so how do I pray? And I'm not sure I totally understand it. So I want to make it as simple as we can. And we're going to talk about four very practical thoughts about how we can actually pray to God. Okay. The first thing is this very simply. Sometimes you talk to God. You simply talk to God like you would talk to a friend. Okay? In fact, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, he, he talks about prayer in this beautiful, simple, and intimate way. In fact, we, it's important to understand the context in which he's writing. Remember, Paul's in prison, awaiting his possible execution. And this is what the Apostle Paul says from a Roman prison. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. He says, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. So how do you pray to God? You just talk to him. Don't worry, you pray. You tell God what you need and you thank him for all that he's already done. Just literally talk to God. Does it have to be early in the morning for an hour in the prayer closet when you're binding up the devil? Can be, <laughs> okay, but it doesn't have to be, all right? Paul said elsewhere, he said to pray without ceasing. Now that's, that's intimidating for a lot of people. Pray all the time. I can't even pray for 20 minutes straight without losing my focus. So, so how do we do that? I've come to recognize for years, and I felt guilty about this because I, I couldn't pray long. I, I couldn't stay focused. But I, but I didn't understand that prayer isn't nonstop, petitioning God in a formal way, but, but prayer is a nonstop awareness of the presence of God that's always with you. It's an ongoing relationship, recognizing that God never leaves you and that he never forsakes you. Just kind of like I might be spending the time with my, or the day with my wife, Jen, okay? We learn to spend the day with God. And a big breakthrough for me is talking to God like I would talk to my wife on a text. I might say, hey, just thinking about you. Hey, what are we doing tonight? And, and hey, what's for dinner? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you'd ask God for that or anything, but that's how I talk to my wife. So, but anyway, and, and you literally just, you know, give short bursts of a very consistent communication with God. Okay. And you might start your day with God, thank you for this day. Direct my steps today. Give me wisdom to make a difference. You know, God, I devote my life to you. And maybe you see someone at work that's hurting and you say, God, give me something to say that's encouraging, right? God, would you do something that only you can do? God, give me direction. Give me wisdom today. God, help me in this presentation at work today. God, help me on this test at school today. Okay? God, I know I'm going to see a lot of people that, you don't, that don't know you today. So God, help me love this person today or help me forgive this person today. It's an ongoing awareness of the presence of God. Short, consistent bursts of communication as you were talking to a friend. 
and this has revolutionized my prayer life. And this this may shock some of you that are listening and know me, but I'll tell you right now, I've never ever prayed a long period of time. But I also never go a long period of time without praying either, okay? It's an ongoing awareness of the presence of God. Sometimes you just talk to God like you're talking to a very close and intimate friend, all right? Then sometimes you don't just talk to God, but sometimes you vent to God, all right? Sometimes you just unload on him, okay? And I like the way Peter phrased it. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast your anxiety to him, throw your cares on him because he cares for you. Do, do you realize it's within fair play to say, hey, God, this makes me mad. God, I don't understand. Where are you, God? Invent to God because he cares for you. David did this sometimes in the Old Testament. God, where are you? Why aren't you stopping my enemies? God, why are you letting this happen? This doesn't seem fair. Why are the wicked prospering? God, where are you? You know, God cares about you just like when a child comes up and expresses hurt or or disappointment or anger. You don't push the child away. You you draw the child close because you care for the child and you can vent to God. Sometimes you just talk to him. Sometimes you vent to him. And then sometimes you listen to him, right? You stop talking and you start listening. Jesus said this, my sheep know my voice and I know them. Who is the good shepherd? Well, of course, Jesus is the good shepherd, right? And we are the sheep. It is his job to guide us and our job is to follow. He directs and we listen. Prayer was never meant to be us just asking God or telling God what we want him to do. Okay, Billy Graham said this about prayer. Prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. It's not just me speaking, but it's listening to God. I like in the Old Testament when Samuel said, speak, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And if you'll take that posture every now and then and not just say, God, here's what I want, and God, do this, and God, do that, but stop and say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. Guide me, direct me, and I promise you, God will speak to you. And so you might be saying, oh, so he's going to call me by name and say like, Dan, this is what thou shalt doeth. No, not necessarily. Maybe he can. And in fact, I know he could. Uh, he could show you what to do with writing on the wall. But, but God speaks in so many ways. His methods of communication would be unlimited. And so if you want to guarantee a way to hear God, let me tell you the guarantee way to hear from God. You ready for this? Open up your Bible every single day. And spend a little bit of time in God's living word. And I promise you, God will speak to you. God will direct you. God will comfort you. God will convict you. Because his word is living. It's active. It's powerful. And it will speak into our lives. Okay? If you want to hear from him, look for his voice through his word. God will speak to you through his word. God will speak to you through circumstances. Sometimes you're like, well, the door was open and the door was closed and I don't know how it closed. And and that was must be God saying, I don't have this for you. I'm directing you somewhere else. And I just, I, I just happen to believe because you're a good God that somewhere else is going to bring me glory and, and, and a better thing for me, right? So God will speak to you through his word and through circumstances. God will speak to you through people. Someone may give you a word of wisdom, something that really empowers you, helps you out, right? God can speak to you through a song. God can speak to you through a still, quiet voice in his spirit, right? That's not necessarily audible, but sometimes it's even louder than audible, if you know what I mean. When God speaks to you and moves you, how do we talk to God? How do we pray to the one who calls us friends, okay? Sometimes we talk, we're just together, we're just doing life together. God, I love you. 
you could say, wow, man, you're showing off today. God, that sunset's amazing, right? God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the time with my daughter or my son. Uh, God, thank you that you provided. God, thank you that you let me uh, be a blessing to someone. Sometimes you just talk to God, right? Okay. Sometimes you vent, okay? God, I'm hurting. God, I'm confused. God, I don't understand what's going on here. And sometimes you listen. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. But all the time, all the time, you give thanks to God. And that's your fourth one. All the time, you give thanks to God, no matter what. You thank him for who he is, for his faithfulness, for his character, for his goodness. All the time, you give thanks to God. Then this is exactly what the Apostle Paul did from a Roman prison, waiting his possible execution. In other words, he could be beheaded very soon. And under that threat, he penned these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said, hey, church. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Just talk to him. Cast your cares on him and thank him for all he's done. And when you do that, then you will experience God's peace, peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Okay? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Give thanks in all circumstances, and then you will experience the supernatural peace of God peace from heaven, which goes beyond our human understanding, right? That, we're, we, that we can't comprehend, okay? Or cannot explain it. It's God's peace in the middle of the storm. We know what that's like. It's his, it's his peace in the middle of the trials. One of the things I've realized about prayer is that, that prayer doesn't always change your circumstances, okay? It may or it may not change it, but it always changes you no matter what, okay? It always changes you. I want you to feel the weight of these words to close, close this up today. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's already done. Then you experience God's supernatural peace, a peace that goes beyond your ability to understand, and you will recognize true peace is not found in the absence of problems. Okay, let me rephrase, let me re-say that again. Okay, you will recognize true peace is not found in the absence of problems. You know where true peace is found? It's found in the presence of God. What a friend we have in Jesus, and what a privilege we have to take everything to Him in prayer. And so I'm going to ask you to do that today, wherever you might be, unless you're driving your car. And of course, you can do that as you're, as you're driving. Okay, let's do that now. Let's all pray from wherever you are. Let's pray to our God. Amen. All right, that concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. I hope you're enjoying this series as much as I am. Uh, next week, we continue on with How Sweet the Sound with week number three. And we're going to be talking about the song, All Fly away and we're going to be talking about the eternal hope that we have as christians so hope you'll be able to join us we'll talk to you soon if you'd like to know more about venture podcast or chandler acres church or if you'd like to support this ministry please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com